Welcome to Fireside Chats with Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy. My name is Julieta Romero and I am the Fireside Chats podcast intern at UCCD. These Fireside Chats are short conversations with Utah citizen diplomats who are reformulating the American worldview by bringing their global experience back home to Utah. I'm excited to host Jessica Hercules, a Community Engagement Director at English Skills Learning Center and who does admirable work with helping refugees transition to Utah. Hi, Jessica, and thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me on. Alrighty, so to start off um, this episode, I wanted to ask you what constitutes someone as a refugee? Yeah, so um, it seems like it could be a really straightforward answer, but there are a lot of acceptable definitions. The official definition is um, a person who is fleeing their country of origin for fear of persecution or because of persecution based on their race, religion, nationality, or if they're a member of a specific social or political group. Um, So official refugee status is granted by the UNHCR, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Um, But there are other people who may also be considered refugees, but don't follow that specific pathway. Alrighty, so you kind of did touch on this, but are there any communities today that are not considered refugees in our society, but they should be given their circumstances? Sure, so people um, flee to another country, whether it's near their country of origin or come to the United States for various reasons. Um, And many people do have a fear of persecution and and that definition that I gave you a moment ago, but might, might not be granted that official designation of refugee refugee from the UNHCR. Um, But certainly those who are seeking asylum in another country would be considered refugees um, and others. You know, there are so many pathways to find oneself in another country. Um, But really fleeing for any reason of of fear really would um, constitute someone as being considered a refugee without the official designation from the government. Yeah, so for example, I know climate refugees don't necessarily have legal status. So what do you see like happening with that in the future? Yeah, I I imagine that the um, official definition of refugee that is designated by UNHCR might go through some shifts and changes. But I think um, for just members of the community, recognizing that if someone's fleeing their home because it's not a safe place, they are a refugee. And then, so what are some of the most prominent challenges that refugees face when integrating with their host communities? Yeah, so if you think about um, all the complications that just come with being an adult in a community that's familiar to you, um, those are difficult (laughs) to manage. But envision making that transition into adulthood or, or, or into a new community, but having a language barrier and not understanding some of the systems that are in place. Um, Many people come without a foundation in literacy before coming to the United States. And we're a very print heavy community. We rely on, you have to memorize your social security number, your phone number, your birth date. There are so many numbers to memorize. So just having a a basic sense of numeracy and 
uh, a foundation in literacy is a really important step and a lot of people don't come with that. And then not to mention the language barrier on top of that. And um, some of the things that make a community different, like even just how to pay for your parking ticket in a parking garage and get out of the parking garage. That's different across different countries. And so people navigating those kinds of things too. It's all, it's all new and there are all kinds of challenges associated as you can imagine. So now that you've like listed some of the challenges they, they may face, what kind of work is being done with organizations like yours and others to help make the transition smoother for them? Yeah, so they're luckily, and as you know, so many wonderful organizations in our community that are helping with that transition. Um, the place that the English Skills Learning Center holds is in helping people gain the language skills to be able to navigate their everyday and then also make steps to progress into their goals, whatever they might be. So our English classes that we offer are free in the community. And we offer them out in places where people live, like libraries, elementary schools, and along transit routes that are easily accessible. And the, the content of our classes is really focused on life skills. So we have um, classes like civics classes, helping people prepare for the citizenship interview. But we also have classes that help people um, be able to read a bus schedule or call and make an appointment with their doctor. Um, we have classes for helping people gain job skills and understand the system in the United States of how it works to advance your career, as well as classes for parents with kids in the school system. They might not be familiar with how the system works. And so what does it mean to attend parent-teacher conferences? Or how do I call the school and let them know that my kid's sick today? Those kinds of things. And that's really the focus of our English classes. Well, that's honestly amazing. I actually know people in my personal life that have um, used the services that you guys provide, and I can say that it's really, really important, and I'm super glad that there's organizations like yours that exist. I really love to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> that's great. Are there certain communities that struggle with integrating to their host communities more than others? And if so, why do you think that is? Yeah, and, and this is complicated because everyone... Um, you know, comes with their own background and those backgrounds help them kind of build themselves in a new community. I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think one of the greatest struggles that people might face that um, might set them apart a little bit is those who haven't had an opportunity to um, experience formal education before coming to the United States, because as I mentioned, we're so print heavy and print reliant in our everyday interactions that that really poses a challenge for people who are learning literacy and a new language for the first time at the same time. What does the refugee community look like here in Utah as far as where are most of these people coming from? And then what, what would you say they bring as far as field or culture to our state of Utah? Wow, that's a big question. <laughs> The refugee community in Utah is always shifting, and, and as, the, as the world goes through different conflicts internationally, we kind of see people from different parts of the world coming to Utah, and every time we get a new influx of individuals coming from different countries, our community changes a little bit, um, which is great. And that is a really foundational part of our organization that we see that our uh, existing community members are um, uh, more settled community members and then newcomers work together to create that new community. 
But some of the attributes that I've seen come from uh, newcomers to Utah, the, the biggest one I can think of is resilience. If you think about what it takes to kind of pack up your life and find yourself in a new place, you have to be resilient to be able to navigate that. And that is a huge thing that I see in people. Um, you know, they might have experienced some severe trauma, learning a new language, all those things that I mentioned before, and then still do all the same things that the rest of us are doing with our feet under us. And that requires resilience. And that's probably the number one thing. But uh, on a less serious note, uh, the, the food scene in Utah <laughs> has changed a lot. And that's something that I love a lot is to be able to um, you know, bump around the valley and try Ethiopian food and try Somali food and try um, foods from places that I might not otherwise ever get to experience. And so on a lighter note, that's something that uh, people bring. But that speaks to an entrepreneurial spirit, too, that a lot of refugees bring too. oftentimes in their home communities, they were uh, farmers or selling things that they created, and they really bring that entrepreneurial spirit with them to their new community. And um, that's been a great thing to see build. Yeah, I love that you mentioned food too, because I feel like it's one of the easiest ways to connect with another person's culture. And maybe you don't speak the same language, but I think you guys can share the love of that food with each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm glad that you highlighted that. So with that being said, what can all of us do to help create a more welcoming and understanding community for those who come to Utah on refugee status? So I think one of the, the easiest things that someone can do is just learn about the process that someone goes through as a refugee, um, starting from the vetting process and to 18 months later being resettled in another country. The United States takes less than 1% of the world's refugees. And I think a lot of people don't know that. And so just there are just some facts and things that I think people can learn on their own with just a little bit of research to, to learn a little bit more about the process. But in terms of making things, uh, making our community a more welcoming place, getting to know people, as you mentioned, sharing food with somebody, that's that's a great way to get to know somebody quickly. Um, in a more official um, standpoint, people can volunteer with an organization in the community that's providing services to people who come to Utah with refugee status. Um, you can teach English classes. You can become a family mentor. Um, you can sign up to help set up an apartment for someone who's a newcomer. There are lots of ways that people can create a more welcoming community um, with physical needs, but also just by saying hello to someone that's new in your community and get to know them is huge. We'll plug for what we do at the English Skills Learning Center, though. We provide some workshops helping people communicate across a language barrier with a few tips for simplifying language. We also have some workshops that focus on trauma-informed practices for people who are working with adults who are learning language. And um, those are things that we offer for the community in order to make our community a more welcoming place. And that's really our goal as an organization to build a community where all voices are celebrated. That's awesome. And I definitely agree with everything that you said. And I feel like it doesn't just apply to refugees, to immigrants as well who don't come. Um, to the United States or to Utah on refugee status, and even just to people from different states coming to Utah just to create, 
to create a more positive and welcoming environment. So thank you so much for all that information. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on here. And I'm always happy to talk about these kinds of things with, with someone who's also interested. And I would just encourage anyone who's listening who wants to get more information, just jump in and figure out what is out there and, and ways for you to be involved. Because when more established members of the community are involved in this process and are engaged, then our community is better for it. So we're, we're better for newcomers and we're better for established community members um, reaching out and, and making our, our community a more welcoming place. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening. To learn more about today's guest and our fireside chat, check out our website, utahdiplomacy.org, as well as explore our website to learn more about how to get involved with diplomacy in Utah, one handshake at a time. All right.